Before we move on, I have a few words about Matthew chapter 1 and the Christmas story, the Christmas narrative first and foremost. You know, I'm looking forward to see the children's uh, program. I saw it last year as my first uh, Christmas at Bethel Friends Church, and it's just a wonderful Christmas program, and I've been seeing them rehearse and get ready, and I know it's going to be wonderful again because of all of, all of your kids involved. Jesus came and he came as a baby and Jesus lived a fully human life. He, had, he learned in wisdom and stature. He grew in wisdom and stature just like our children do. He got hurt just like we do and stubbed his toe or his knee or whatever. Maybe even played baseball or football. I don't think they had it like we do now. But he did learn and grow up and play games just like we do. He was fully human. He is fully human. And Christmas is coming and it's almost here and I'm wondering how you're doing. If you're ready... It always seems to creep up, doesn't it? There was a lady who had a circle of friends for whom she really wanted to buy Christmas gifts. She wanted to buy these nice, little, cheap, inexpensive Christmas gifts for all of her circle of friends. And time got away, so she went to a convenience store and she thought, at least I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna at least buy cards. She didn't even read the cards. She, she quickly browsed through the cards and thought, this card looks really nice. It's a nice, beautiful picture on it, and it, it looks right. And so she brought the card home, and she addressed them, and she sent out these Christmas cards, never reading them. She signed them with all my love and sent them out. New Year's came, and after New Year's, she had time to look back at some of the cards that she sent out. She pulled them on out, and she read the card, and she was shocked as she read the card. She read the message inside, and it said, and in a little rhyme it said, this Christmas card is just to say, a little gift is on its way. Yeah. So I don't know if she scrambled and sent a gift at that point, but it, takes, it, it, it shows that sometimes there's benefit to slowing down and taking time to observe and read and notice what you're doing. And sometimes we get so busy in the Christmas season or in any season that we fail to notice things. We do that while our children grow up, don't we? Until maybe there's a preschool graduation or a junior high graduation or a high school graduation. And then we look back and we think, where has the time go? gone? Well, I encourage you as we go through this holiday season, this Christmas season, to remember its true importance. Its true importance, which is about Jesus coming and dying in our place. I want to read from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus, as he was instructed to. My theme today is Jesus, our hope, will be born. 
He saves us and he is with us. Jesus, our hope, will be born. That's what the angel is talking to Joseph about in this passage. Jesus, our hope, will be born. He is our Savior and he is Emmanuel, which means God with us. He is our Savior and he is with us. This is the Christmas story in a nutshell. Jesus is born to save us from our sins and to be with us, to be Emmanuel. Jesus will be born. You know, they were waiting for a Savior. And he was to be born. You know, this is an amazing prophecy to Joseph right here. Here, Joseph is engaged to this young lady, Mary. And they're engaged to be married. And they're trying to, you know, live a a life in Judaism. And now he finds out that his fiancée is pregnant. She comes to him. Or somehow he finds out his fiancée is pregnant. And then he finds out, but wait. It's by the Holy Spirit. What would we think? Yeah, sure. We're going to believe that one. Try another one. But then, eventually, an angel appears to Joseph in a dream. And when the angel communicates to Joseph in a dream that she really is pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and his baby to be born is the Messiah, which means anointed one, the Savior, the one you've been waiting for. He's the one you've been waiting for. You're going to name him Jesus because he's going to save the people from their sins. He's going to be that Savior, which we've been waiting for for thousands of years. Since the first prophecy of the Messiah, which is Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, they've been waiting for this Messiah. So Joseph went from gloom to hope. He went from being quite uh, gloomed, quite depressed, knowing that this one he's been waiting to marry is pregnant, but not by him, to hope, knowing that he's going to be the paternal father, the paternal influence father, adopted father of the Savior, of Jesus. He had hope now. Joseph had hope, and so do we. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our hope. Jesus, our Savior, will be born And just to make it very clear, they've been waiting for a Savior. As I said, they've been waiting for a Savior since sin entered the world. In Genesis chapter 3, they've been waiting for a Savior. There's all these prophecies in the Old Testament, over 300 about a Savior who will come. And now, the Savior is to be born. That's our hope. Jesus, our Savior, will be born. And Jesus, our Savior, will save us from something. Jesus will save us from our sins. To sin means to break a moral or divine law. To sin means to break a moral or divine law. We've all done that. Nobody is perfect. Everybody has sinned. Everybody has done wrong things. But what brings salvation? What are you trusting in for your salvation? Where is your hope? Sometimes we think we don't even need a Savior. We think we don't need a Savior. But realize when we do that, we're not only messing with salvation, we are trifling the holiness of God. We are trifling the holiness of God. We need a Savior because God is perfectly, completely, totally holy. He's totally pure. And when we sin, we sin against a holy, righteous God. We sin against the holy, righteous God. And we need a sacrifice. So throughout all these Old Testament passages, they had all these blood sacrifices. But they weren't good enough. So we needed a perfect human sacrifice. That is Jesus. We need a Savior because of God's holiness. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. The Bible says that the penalty for sin is death, Romans 6.23. The Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by him, John 14.6. The Bible teaches that sin separates us from God, Isaiah 59.2. The Bible says that God will not let the guilty go unpunished, 
unpunished. Second uh, Thessalonians 1, 8 to 9. Yeah, the Bible teaches that God does love the people of the world. John 3, 16. So there's a dilemma. God loves us. God wants a relationship with us. But our sin is against him. It's abhorrent to him. The Bible teaches that God can't tell a lie. Or he wouldn't be God. Numbers 23, 19. God doesn't change his mind. 1 Samuel 15, 29. And that's why God sent Jesus. The guilty must be punished. Jesus took our punishment on the cross. And that connects Christmas to Easter. Jesus died in our place. We call it the substitutionary atonement. Taking our punishment on the cross. And Jesus saves. So Jesus, our Savior, will be born. Jesus will save us. And Jesus will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. I wonder if you've ever felt alone. Have you ever really felt lonely? I think we've all experienced loneliness at some time or another. Realize the Christian is really never alone because Jesus is with us. That's what Emmanuel means, God with us. You and I, we are not alone. So my final question for you this morning, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And are you committed to him? Do you have a relationship with him? What do you do with the Christmas message? You'll see the Christmas message in the children's program. Maybe you've read it during this Christmas season. What do you do with the Christmas message? The Bible uses four verbs verbs to describe the Christian life. They are believe, confess, commit, and trust. Believe, confess, commit, and trust. The Bible teaches that we must believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior. We must believe in him. We must believe what the Bible says about him is true. The Bible teaches that he was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross for our sins, and he rose triumphantly over the grave. We must believe in Jesus. And it's, it's not a casual belief. It's a firm, trusted belief. The Bible teaches that we must confess that we are in need of forgiveness. This means we must confess that we are a sinner in need of a Savior. In other words, we have done wrong things and we need forgiven and we tell God that. We need him. We believe, we confess. The Bible teaches that we must commit to Jesus as Lord and Savior. We must commit to him. This means that Jesus calls us to be followers of him, not fans on the sidelines. Jesus calls us to be committed to him. Jesus told people to count the cost before committing to him. Jesus gives us a totally free gift of salvation. You don't have to earn it. But he does say in Luke 9, 23, anyone can come after me, but he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus calls us to be followers, not fans. Believe, confess, commit, and trust. The Bible teaches that we must trust him. The belief in Jesus as Lord and Savior is not a casual belief, but a firm trust. So where are you at? Are you trusting in Jesus as Lord and Savior? Have you believed in him as Lord and Savior? Are you committed to him? We'll struggle, you'll struggle, we all struggle. That means we repent, we ask for forgiveness and move on. But where are you at right there? You know, the Bible, the Bible can be summed up with the acronym that spells gospel. God created us for a relationship with him. We see that in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. God wants a relationship with us. But our sin, that's the O in the acronym, our sin separates us from God. That's in Genesis 3. We see throughout the rest of the Old Testament that sins cannot be removed by good deeds. We still have the sins to be taken care of. So paying the price for our sin, Jesus died and rose again. He took our punishment on the cross. We see that in the Gospels. And everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. 
And life is eternal means being with Jesus forever. I'm going to give a prayer, just a prayer of thanks and gratefulness to to God, certainly, for sending us Jesus, the Messiah, the Anointed One, and saving us from our sins. I'm going to give a combination prayer for the offering. But I'm also going to give a commitment prayer. If you've not committed to Jesus as Lord and Savior, I encourage you to commit to Jesus with that prayer. You're never saved by a prayer. You're saved by what's in your heart. But I encourage you to tell God what you're doing. The Bible says angels in heaven rejoice over one person who repents. Angels in heaven rejoice because God wants a relationship with each and every one of us. He wants a relationship with you. Let's pray right now. Lord Jesus, I thank you for sending, for coming and living a life fully human and fully God for us. Dying the cross for our sins and rising again. We give you thanks and praise and glory. Lord, it's a struggle living for you. We all struggle through, but we know we don't live alone. The Holy Spirit is with us. Lord God, we thank you for your presence with us through the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, if there's people here who have not committed to you as Lord and Savior, as I'm sure there are, maybe because of an intellectual roadblock or many other things or different struggles, maybe they feel they're not good enough. Lord, we know that no one's good enough. That's why you took our place on the cross. We can never be good enough. We are saved by grace. It's your free gift, and we thank you. Jesus, if there's people here who want to commit to you as Lord and Savior, may they do that today. And may they tell you that in a simple prayer like this. Lord Jesus, I recognize I have sinned and done wrong things. I believe in you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again. I'm trusting in you as Lord and Savior. I'm committing my life to you right now. Help me to live for you. Jesus, help us all to live for you. Help us to live for you. And as we take this morning offering, we dedicate it to you. Bless the offering. Use it for your glory and your purposes. Bless the gifts and the givers. In Christ's name I pray, amen. I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward, and they're going to take this morning's offering. Um, you know, as they pass the plate, I encourage you to give as you feel led. If you have another home church, we encourage you to give predominantly and first and foremost to that home church. Uh, the giving and the tithes are first and foremost to attendees and members of Bethel Friends Church. Of course, if you feel led to give... We're not going to stop you. Go ahead, Asher.